We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. <laughs> this is a house of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. We are a proud part of... The Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of Boomtown Hoops. Uh, this is one of your co-hosts for today, Taylor, and I'm joined by none other than OKC Tracker himself, who's had some fire mock-ups recently of what the potential um, <laughs> statement jerseys could look like for next season, or maybe it's the cities. I don't know. Justin, tell me which one it is. <laughs> it uh, it's sort of the cities. So the the rumor, okay. the rumor is uh that for the NBA's 75th anniversary next season that they are going to launch mashup jerseys for every team where they're taking different elements from past jerseys and kind of smushing them all together for every team. The rumor is that that will be the city edition uniform for each team. Okay. Gotcha. That's Um, what I wasn't sure about. I knew they're doing like the the mixed jerseys, which is a really cool concept. It's an Um, interesting concept. It's been fun to play with. I've got some more, mm -hmm. some more coming. That's what I'm talking about. Go, uh, go and check him out. (laughs) Listeners at OKC tracker. Seriously. His second one was hands down my favorite. It's awesome. It's really cool. And he always tweets out awesome uh, uniform info. He was the one who actually dropped the uh, leaked the earned edition jerseys. Uh, just great stuff all around. Justin, how are we doing today? 
Doing pretty good. Uh, I had a kid throw up on me about Uh-oh. an hour ago, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, we're doing pretty good. So I gave you an excuse to uh, get away from that is what you're yes. telling me. Uh-huh. Poor yeah. kid. <laughs> well, uh, today we're going to continue our OKC Thunder player grades that we've been doing each week. This has kind of been fun because uh, the the first week it was me, Jacob, Nick. Um, last week was Jacob and Nick. Today's me and Justin. So we'll hopefully have some other iteration of the five of us uh, co-host um, some uh, next week. And, and I guess, yeah, we only have one or two more weeks shooting yep, guards and, and point guards. So small forwards is today. I'm looking forward to diving into them. Um, there's actually kind of a surprise. Um, one, there's not many small forwards and two, there's going to be a surprise name on, <laughs> which we'll, we'll get into. But before that, Justin, um, again, not as many names as go around. So I thought it'd be a good chance to kind of pick your brain on what's been a pretty crazy day in the in terms of news dropping in the NBA. Lots um, of news. We're recording this on Wednesday. And um, Wednesday morning, a lot of news going on. Uh, me and Justin both were kind of going back and forth in the slack, um, mainly revolving around the Boston Celtics. But then we also had the Coach K news of, of his retirement after this upcoming season. Uh, we had uh, – Gosh, uh, Embiid almost said Randall for some reason, I guess, because the Knicks are playing right now. <laughs> we have Joel Embiid's um, injury news, which isn't as bad as it could be, but also isn't necessarily a good sign. Right. Um, with the minorly torn meniscus, I guess you could say. Um, so a lot of news, but the biggest thing here, Justin, is the Boston Celtics news that Brad Danny Ainge is going to be um, – I don't know if it's just retiring is the right term, even though that is the term that the Celtics use in their their press release. But he's stepping down, yep. stepping away, and uh, Brad Stevens will be filling that vacancy, and they will be searching for a new head coach immediately. Uh, again, a lot of news trickled kind of out of that. Uh, Chris Mannix reporting that Ainge is interested, or at least at one point was interested, in joining uh, the Utah Jazz organization as he is really close, I guess, with the new owner, went to school with him at BYU. Um, there's been ties to him apparently back in Portland, where I, I think he's from or something like, I don't know. Um, regardless, those are kind of two that were mentioned. And then there was some like head coaching, um, some head coach uh, nominees, I or not nominees, um, candidates, I guess, that were dropped. Uh, so Justin, just give me your overall thoughts. So what were you thinking when you saw this news drop, just like one after the other this morning? It was a crazy morning and not anything that I expected. Um, not totally surprising, um, given just the state of the Celtics franchise. Uh, they've been a bit of a clown fiesta as of late. Um, <laughs> I think the the timing surprised some people. I think just because it was unexpected to the public doesn't necessarily mean that it was like a spur of the moment decision. It seems like something you don't have this many like pieces of the puzzle set up. If you haven't been thinking about this for a while, I'd imagine that this has been discussed internally, that this was kind of set up like Ainge is going to step out. Brad Stevens is going to shift over. We're going to find a new coach. Like I, I feel like they've probably had this in the works for a while. That's not something that just happens overnight. That's um, a really good point. Uh, Blaine Buchanan in the chat just brought up a good point. Um, correct me there or help me out there. I guess um, Ainge played for uh, Portland back in like the early nineties. So thank you for that, Blaine. There's that connection. I, I couldn't remember it. Yes. And I guess he like still has a house or something in Utah as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of connections to Utah, a lot of connections to Portland, uh, but also he cited his health. Um, he had a heart attack here about two years ago. I mentioned that as being a big reason for wanting to step away. But like you mentioned, Justin, um, you know, there, it, reports kind of started coming out after this, that, you know, um, Ainge 
really had been talking about this with ownership, you know, as far back as I think the beginning of the season, yeah. um, there was a lot of talks that I intensified here over the past couple of months. And then the other thing I found interesting is uh, some, some reports about Brad Stevens, maybe getting a little burnt out with coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, there was all the talk of him, like, you know, the new generation of players coming in and, uh, and that whole nonsense, but just more so of him being a family man, being away from them in the bubble was a lot being yep. rushed into this season and then Justin, you just like think back on the past like four seasons, all the way, really starting with that Kyrie year. Yeah. And my, right. I can only imagine how he's feeling. Right yeah. Now. I mean, like the past four seasons, but like who's honestly, who's not burnout right now? Just like it's a good point. We, we just went through a pandemic. Uh, I was reading an article the other day just talking about how, you know, a lot of people are kind of itching, itching for change just as we're coming out of this thing, either changing jobs, moving houses. Um, kind of taking these big life steps. And I think what the pandemic has done is just kind of stressed every facet of everyone's life. And I'd imagine that Brad Stevens is no different. I think, you know, the tumultuous year that we had going to the bubble, like you mentioned, and then going, you know, rather quickly into another season is probably just kind of solidified. Like, you know, maybe, maybe the front office is a better place for me than coaching. And I think he he's a, He's a great basketball mind. I think, you know, you can argue the success they've had in Boston on the court while he's been the coach with the players they've had. But I think there's no questioning that he's a smart guy. I think he could bring a lot to the front office. It'll be interesting to see how he transitions into that role. And probably the thing I'm most interested in is how often do you see a guy get to pick his own successor? Like getting him getting to go lead that coaching search is going to be fascinating. Like who would Brad Stevens pick to do Brad Stevens job? (laughs) That is a, yeah, that that's a fascinating aspect. Um, Something I've been considering as well. I think you bring up a really good point um, linking the article that you read and and kind of comparing that to Brad Stevens. I mean, that really is a perfect example. Um, and he does kind of, he, he has the mind for it. Now, really quick, I guess kind of tying this back to the Thunder, something interesting um, that was reported, I guess kind of reported by, um, uh, gosh, I'm going blank now. The Sports Illustrator reporter, Chris. Mannix. Mannix, there it is. Thank you. Hinted. And, <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, he he kind of hinted at it, um, but also like really, obviously really wanted Presti. Um in Boston, but then uh, Kevin O'Connor actually did report that there was at least internal talks about the mm-hmm. Celtics considering going after Presti to to fill this role, seeing if he would be interested. Justin, what are your thoughts on that? A- again, nothing firm, nothing concrete. I even listened to the Ke- uh, the podcast that Kevin O'Connor did um, with the Ringer today that that dropped Bill Simmons and um, Ryan Basillo he didn't really seem to have a lot of like concrete information around that. Hmm. So I'm curious, kind of pick your brain. What do you think? I mean, that's not surprising. If, if I were looking for a GM, you absolutely consider Sam Presti, no matter, no matter what team you're working for. So it doesn't surprise me, especially, you know, given the, the connections to the area and all that kind of stuff. I, I think it totally makes sense. What's interesting to me to kind of hypothesize about is what did that look like? Was it just exactly. internal conversations? <laughs> was it just like, oh, you know, like Jacob always says, I'm interested in Gal Gadot. <laughs> like speaking of that kind of interest and like it, there was nothing there or was it um, something where, you know, talks progressed? Did they reach out to Sam Presti or they were they actually looking at that? And Sam Presti said, no, thank you. I want to stay in Oklahoma City or did it never reach that point? 
So my, just really quick, Jacob just joined us getting his audio going. Um, Just, I I think you're spot on, Justin, but what I took from that and mainly uh, what I took from like listening to KOC on the podcast after he put out that article and mentioned that tidbit about Presti, uh, about the Celtics being interested in Presti. And we know the way the NBA works, right? There's so many, I mean, it's such a tight knit community. Um, There's always news leaking, uh, but but so much leverage in play. My assumption is the, one way or the other, the Celtics put out some fillers, um, and they knew if if Sam Presti bit right in terms of like fishing, uh, making that comparison. If he bit, <laughs> then they were going to go out and and make the phone call. Um, but if it got back to them that nah, he likes where he's at, he, he's fine with where he's at, he doesn't want to leave OKC, they aren't going to make that phone call, make that push, um, and they'll move forward with Stevens. My assumption is they put fillers out. Um, Presti made it very. Uh, very certain that he is, you know, he's here to stay in OKC, yeah. at least for the time being, right. um, at least in the short term. And that's probably why they didn't proceed with making more phone calls. But again, that's just my assumption. Jacob, you there? What do you think? Hey, yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes, you sound good. Sweet. I'm out on a dog walk. So I figured out that. <laughs> Multitasking. <laughs> I would chime it's in. impressive. There. No, Taylor, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think... I think even talking to Presti like an actual phone call might be considered tampering since he is under contract. That's a good point as well. I would be hard pressed to think that there wasn't some back channeling going on uh, that happens with players and agents all the time as well. But that there there wasn't some sort of back channeling like, hey, we want to know what Sam Presti's interest level in coming home to Boston and being the GM would look like. Um, you know, you guys have already mentioned it a little bit, but the ties, like Preston grew up a Celtics fan. He's, he's from the area, has family in the area, all that. I would, I don't think the Boston Celtics just woke up and said, oh, hey, Brad Stevens, new GM, right? Like right. they, there was definitely some, they had to have sent out those feelers through back channels indirectly. But I was thinking about this day. I actually tweeted about it. I think we've talked a little bit guys, but I get the idea of, you know, oh, Sam Presti is one of the best GMs in the league, so he definitely wants to go to a big market, to a Boston type of place. But the situation that the Thunder's in now is kind of like the ideal situation for a GM, right. is it not? 100%. Which is what what was interesting is Chris Mannix in in that article mentioned all of that, but instead of like like you said, Jacob, I, I interpret the same way you do. Why would you want to leave that situation as a GM? He was almost like it, Mannix made the point. Well, it's a perfect situation to leave. You, you set them up for success. You have a successor you can bring in. Yeah. Um, and you, you can go off to a bigger market. It doesn't look bad kind of thing. I get I get but, where he's coming from. But I think he has a selfish part in this as well. Right? Oh, sure. Like, <laughs> but, but I think that – think about it. You know, It's what we talked about the last few years where we had Russ and PG locked up on the Thunder. And Presti's job is essentially to try and find a um, – high performing vet they can add to the squad for basically no money which is a is an interesting challenge but maybe not that exciting of a challenge especially when you're in oklahoma city but now i mean to jacob's point it's a gm's dream you're getting to build this thing from the bottom up and you have the most ridiculous cash of assets that anybody's ever had to do it with a green light to do as you please, essentially. Yeah. If you're, if you're wanting to build a team, this is the way to do it. You don't want to go put yourself back in a situation where you're just trying to add like small pieces here and there to, to win a championship. Like this is the, this is the fun part. 
Exactly. Very, I totally very agree, true. You know, and, and, and he's already done the, the difficult part, right, of dealing away all of your vets and your, your star players and your franchise cornerstone and, yeah. and all of that. And so now you're at the point, Taylor, you brought the point that Manic said, you know, it's a great time to leave because you've set them up for success, so you're not leaving on a bad foot. Yeah, but this is the part that's fun. Exactly. Yep. yep. You, utilizing the Justin made that point, but you're right. Yep. So, <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, it, it's just, I don't see why you would want to leave. You've done all the hard work. Now is the the fun team building and aspect has, of it. He has like young ish kids who like basically grew up here. I mean, he has roots established here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I can see and, how difficult that'd be to just, even if you're going quote unquote back home. Justin, you had, I think you had just mentioned this, but I mean, you have a, an ownership group who is hands off and is letting you do your job. Like how often do you get that in professional sports where owners are hands off that you have an ownership group, your boss fully trusts you to do your job and lets you do your thing and doesn't question you. Right. Like you, you don't get that very often. Exactly, yep. and would Brett? Yeah, well, would that would the situation in Boston look like that for Sam Presti? Who knows? Exactly. Now it, it is just, kind of interesting. I think it was Manix again. I keep referencing the same article here. Is either him or KOC? But mentioned um, Stevens and or basically Presti uh, interested in hiring Stevens um, in some capacity, maybe not for the head coaching position prior to him being hired by the Celtics. So there is a little bit of a connection there. Um, obviously, you know. Uh, Stevens at UConn, uh, we all know the Kevin Ollie, um, you know, the, the connection there with Presti, yada, 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 whatever. Regardless, I, I, I think it, it's pretty comforting, I think, from Thunder fans, or for Thunder fans, excuse me, to see these reports come out today and for it pretty much to come across that Sam Presti's here to stay uh, through this, at least through this rebuild, if not longer. Pretty good stuff. Yep. Agreed. Jacob ju- jumped off. Uh, <laughs> walking the pups. <laughs> Uh, but regardless, uh, I wanted to go ahead and dive into that, Justin, just because, again, uh, it's just it's super interesting from a Thunder perspective. Yep. Right, right. And also, like, talk about a team going, who kind of went through a rebuild almost in a similar situation that the yep. Thunder find themselves in now. You know, they end up with Tatum and Brown. Just a lot of interesting similarities there. Um, so I wanted to pick your brain there. I think that's really good stuff. But now, I mean, we had the playoffs going. Some really fun games going tonight, but we went a little long with the pressy stuff. So I guess we'll go ahead and dive into – Thunder player grades, small forwards. Mm-hmm. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so here's the the fun part. Um, here are the, the three small forwards that we are going to be grading because this is the three that played the most minutes at small forward this season. Like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there is going to be a surprise name here at the end. So but much first things sense. first, Justin, I feel like this team needs more wings. Sorry. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> I said so much suspense. So much so much suspense. And people probably know where I'm getting at here. But Shea Gilgis Alexander um, is one of our small fours. So we have Kenrich Williams. That one makes sense. Josh Hall. That one also makes sense. And Shea Gilgis Alexander. So our own Jacob uh, was doing a little prepping for me and Justin because, you know, we're slackers. And <laughs> <laughs> basketball reference has SGA as playing 71% of his minutes this past season at small forward. And Justin, when I was thinking about it, this actually makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. It feels weird. It when feels you say weird it out loud because he played point guard, right? But starting at he, small forward, he handled the ball 
And yeah, I right, think that's, right. that's a good that's way to put it. That's the thing with, with he facilitated you know, the offense. <laughs> positionless basketball, whatever you want to call it, the modern NBA, it's almost like, you know, what number you get one through five doesn't matter as much as what your role is. He was, the, he was a primary ball handler. Um, but he, uh, like it said, 71% of his minutes at small forward. And it makes sense when you think about the other backcourt mates that he was often playing alongside. Well, that first stretch of the season, um, before the Thunder decided yeah. to tank a uh, full on tank, yeah, George Hill. Yep. Um, also you think back to, and then obviously, uh, when he was still playing, um, there were some other injuries going on with the team. They trade away George Hill, et cetera, et cetera. So he's playing alongside Teo. And yep. so you're, you're starting Lou Dort at shooting guard and they list Shea at small forward because that's exactly what they did, um, last season when, um, it, when they either started the three point guard lineup of Chris Paul, Schroeder, yep. Shea, uh, actually, I think even without Schroeder, uh, it was Chris Paul at point guard, Lou Dort at shooting guard, and Shea yep. at small forward. Exactly. So that is why he's on our list. Also, yes, we could have gone ahead and point, put him in the point guard position, but then this week we'd only have two players to talk about. This would have been a very, very short episode. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, we'll go ahead and save <laughs> SGA. Yeah, no, no kidding. We'll save SGA for for last because obviously we're probably going to have the most to say about him and just some really fun stuff, but yep. we're still going to kick this one off with a bang. Somebody, I think that surprised both of us. Yep. So just kind of to recap, I guess um, what we're looking at when we're grading these players uh, or the past couple of weeks, again, open to interpretation for each individual per- person on this podcast. Even you guys as the listeners, be sure to respond to us. Justin's been putting up some awesome graphics after each week. You guys can go in the comments and reply. But we're looking at like the ex- expectations coming into the season, their performance and stats, obviously, throughout the season, their growth, impact on winning, contract, locker room, all the above. So, Justin, I'm, I'm going to let you kick us off here. Talk to me about Kenny Hustle. Yes, Kenny Hustle. The shag. The shag. Respect the <laughs> shag. So, I, you know, you mentioned expectations coming into the season. I, and I'm sure many of you had no, (laughs) had no expectations for Kenrich Williams coming into the season. Um, He was tossed in just kind of to make the money work in the NOLA trade with Steven Adams. He was an afterthought for all intents and purposes. He was an afterthought. I think what's amazing is when you look at his production this year, I mean, he was unbelievable. Uh, Nick actually had a really good stat in an article that he wrote about Kenny where he talked about how his minutes kind of stayed the same while his production skyrocketed. So last season he averaged three and a half points this season, eight where it gets more interesting though, is in the shooting stats last season, 34.7% from the field this season, 53.3, 25.8 from behind the arc last season, this season, that's all the way up at 44.4% really jumped up in efficiency, jumped up in his production while playing a similar amount of minutes. I think uh, he he was unbelievable in the minutes that he gave Oklahoma City. And outside of the counting stats, it's it's the hustle. It's the hustle plays. That's why he's he's nicknamed Kenny Hustle. It's he's the first guy on the floor to die for a loose ball. He's making winning plays even when the Thunder weren't winning. And I think he's the type of guy that that you like to have on your team because of the the spark plug that he gives you. And then on top of that, 
we talked about, you know, locker room presence. And I think that's, that was really interesting to see. He's a young guy and, you know, he hasn't had a ton of experience, but when you look at the rest of the Thunder roster, neither um, do they. <laughs> exactly. Like he's kind of one of the older guys in the room. And, and third year look, in the NBA this past season. I mean, that's crazy. It's but bizarre. Exactly right. It's bizarre. And when you look at some of the comments, Dagnall said he was the most respected person in the locker room. Um, he said he, he that uh, Kenrich would beat up Barry uh, if yes. he didn't want to wear a mask and follow protocols. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and, and he even said of himself, you know, he talked about that one of the things he was proud in his exit interview was about his leadership role. So I think you see that. Um, yes, Silver in the chat. The the Nick Collison role, I think that's that's dead on. Spot on. You know, he's the guy who's just out there doing the dirty work, making the good plays, and can be, you know, an influential voice in the locker room. That sets the culture for a team. It, it does if, the nickname. If that guy's willing to, to go out there and, you know, get his hands dirty and do that kind of stuff, everybody's going to follow suit. So all that to say, um, very, very impressed with Kenny Hustle this season. I, I think you pretty much crushed that. I'm, I'm in full grains with you. I think the only other stats that really stood out to me the most, um, his field goal efficiency percentage um, off uh, basketball reference, which basically takes into effect that a three-point shot is worth more than a uh, obviously a, a field goal in, in the paint or inside the three-point arc. Um, 59.6%, but the, then I look at the attempts, right? And he's shooting 6.2 attempts per game, which is up dramatically from the previous season in New Orleans when he only shot 3.8. Now, granted, he wasn't playing as quite, well, I say that, minutes plays per game. He actually did play around the same, which I didn't right. realize. Yeah. I don't really remember that, like watching the Pelicans. I, I didn't either, but I, I thought that was a really good find by Nick. But you know what that, yeah, oh, 100%. And you know what's interesting is, um, like, I think it was, I'm trying to remember who it was. There was a reporter who, um, it might have been Hollinger from The Athletic. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was. I was looking through, like, his his preseason um, predictions, like, breakdowns of each roster. And he talked about Kenrich Williams being a super sneaky get for OKC because he just does all the right things and he just makes things happen on the court, essentially. Yeah. And at the time, like, we had just cut Frank Jackson, who I was, like, yeah. super high on because, of course, <laughs> yes. I was. You know, he scores, like, whatever, however many points in preseason. We all thought Frank Jackson was going to be the next Thunder great backup point guard. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think Hollinger nailed it when he was talking about Kendrick Williams. Just like you said, it, it, first of all, his, his on-ball defense was super impressive. But – He's just the Nick Collins comparison is perfect because he's always in the right position, making the right plays, um, creating opportunities for for others. Um, so with all that being said, I, I think I'm I'm with you, Justin. If you were to grade Kenrich Williams based off all the things we mentioned here a little bit ago, all the different categories, um, and just his play this season, where are you putting Kenny? I'm putting Kenny at a B plus. Um, Ooh, okay, a B plus because. Uh, you know, he's not, he wasn't the, the superstar of the team. He's not going to be a game changer. He's not somebody you're building your franchise around, but he's a great asset to have as part of your team. Uh, he was a complete surprise. It was not, uh, like I mentioned, what, something that I expected to see out of Kenrich Williams. Um, but I think overall, just a really, really nice find for Sam Presti in the Thunder. Yeah, just like you said, nice find and then silver in our chat mentioned super cheap. That's yeah, the other thing. Right. That, that contract is so team friendly, which is kind of a theme uh, with some of these players for or, sure. A lot of these players on this team. Um, so I actually was going to go a minus, but I think the reason is just the reason I maybe bumped him up one. It's just because of my expectations. Like I mentioned, yeah. um, I thought Kenrich was going to, and, and like you said, I know you did too, but 
like Kenrich and Roby, both of those guys, um, as two that I thought maybe won't make the roster. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so when they did, and then both of them having the impact that they did, I think Kendrick even had a larger impact um, on the team than Roby. And then you take into consideration like the, the offers that OKC was getting at the deadline. Yeah. And they still decided to keep too. him because of how how highly they think of him long term. So I have him at an A minus, but I'm I'm cool putting him at a B plus if we're like, you know, if we're putting Shay and, and you know, some of the like Dort, if we're putting some of those guys, you know, here um later on in this podcast and then future podcasts <laughs> in a week or so when we do shooting guards with Dort, if we're putting them that like A minuses or A pluses, whatever we do, I'm cool giving him a B plus. Um I can agree to that. Sold. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So speaking of Kenny Hustle, let me tell you guys about Blue Wire Hustle. And no, I cannot take credit for that one. Shout out to my co-host, Justin. But if you are listening to us here on The Uncontested, what's stopping you all from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you just want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, question and answers with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you guys get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. 
So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so be sure to get your application in today. Uh, we are close with uh, the person who's heading this, and, and we can confirm that. So be sure, if you guys are interested, to get your application in as soon as possible. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in our episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. All right, I like it. So we'll give uh, Kenny a B plus. I think that's a really good one. Again, just a super fun player and somebody that I kind of hope is around on this Thunder team for a while. Now, with all due respect to this next player, who I still actually think quite a bit of, and I'll get into that, um, this is probably the one we're going to have <laughs> the less amount to to uh, the least amount to say. <laughs> Josh Hall, um, a two way player. He battled injuries throughout like the early part of the season, even in the G League bubble. He didn't even really get to play much. Um, but still a super young, interesting prospect. And, you know, and we keep talking about Nick, uh, but Nick had an article over Josh Hall where he actually interviewed uh, Josh as well yes. and put out an article for Forbes this season. And Hall kind of had an interesting, um, similar route to the NBA as Baisley, where he basically opted out of college and was able to enter the draft because he took an extra year, essentially, of high school, prep school, and was played um, his senior, what would be his senior year at prep school, um, as a 19 year old, you know, coming into the draft. And so he was a, he was eligible to enter and you know, a lot of learning for Josh Hall, but he still showed some really interesting flashes. So Justin, uh, tell me what you think about Josh and what you thought about his season. Yeah, I think it, it's tough to evaluate. Like you mentioned, the, the injuries made the sample size so small. I really wish just seeing how guys like Moses Brown and uh, Alexei Pokusev, Pokushevsky uh, really went into the G League bubble bubble and then came out completely different. I really wish Hall could have had more burn down there. I think that would have been instrumental to his growth. Now, that said, when he was on the floor, uh, he wasn't completely terrible. He he showed some flashes, like you said. Averaged 4.1 points, 2.8 boards, 1.3 assists. Um, the numbers that are a little rough to see, 10% from three. Again, admittedly a small sample size, but 10% is not really what you want to see. And then his free throw shooting. He seemed, he was pretty good at drawing contact. He shot a lot of free throws given his limited minutes, but he only shot 50% from the free throw line. Uh, Those are two numbers that are a little bit concerning um, that you would hope to see a little bit higher. You know, sometimes you, you hear people tout free throw percentages as an indicator of someone who may be able to find their three point shot later. 50% 50% and 10.10% do not give me a ton of hope. Um, but yeah. the, the small sample size and the injuries and all that, I think you can, you can kind of write some of those. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. No, um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad you led with the stats because, I mean, obviously they don't necessarily look great, but like you said, like is, there's not a ton to take from that. For sure. What, the most interesting thing about me about Josh Hall is obviously me and Nick, uh, we both like whenever the Thunder drafted him, We'd already been kind of talking about him just because he kind of reminded us a little bit of Baisley. We thought he was just an interesting prospect. So then he gets, but we hadn't like dove into film or anything. So if the Thunder pick him and uh, Thunder fans can probably go back and listen to our post-draft analysis uh, where Nick and I were actually pretty high on Josh Hall, just based off (laughs) YouTube highlights, essentially, (laughs) (laughs) because he is this long basically a wing, right. Who can handle the ball um, at least growing up and, you know, through prep school and high school, uh, like a point guard um, and just has such a smooth pull up 
off the dribble, even when guarded, also has some pretty good court vision and is really strong handling the ball. And so what I think I like the most about Josh Hall is just, you know, what we're calling the tanking part of the season, the last 30 games or so, where we had all these injuries and, and, and guys sitting out that gave guys like Josh Hall more of an opportunity. Some of the things that I saw in those highlights, you know, right after the draft are things that I saw starting to slowly but surely translate to the NBA for. Um, mm-hmm. The vision still isn't there. Obviously, he's still kind of weak, um, both handling the ball and just from a physical standpoint as well, which another thing with some of these Thunder players. <laughs> but the confidence, I think that the jump in confidence I saw from, you know, again, coming out of the bubble uh, or coming into the bubble and then the G League bubble and then playing with the team and when he had more opportunity those last 30 or so games and we saw him driving to the rim we saw him absorbing contact like you mentioned Justin um getting you know a, getting to the line more and then also that that shot starting to hone that in there's a lot of tangibles there i think you can you can work on and so like Josh Hall isn't a guy necessarily that needs to take up a roster spot next season but if he's willing to stick it out I really like having him on a two-way again next season, especially if the league's willing to let those guys continue to play. Um, yeah. Like throughout the, the, what is it? Like all the regular season, really, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think, I think you have to look at, look at the last game of the season. Um, there was, <laughs> there's a lot of things going on in that game, but one of those things was that Josh Hall put up a double, double 25 points and 10 boards in that last game against the Clippers. Now we know that was a very abnormal game, but it, it's still not nothing when the, when the sample size is that small, you have to take things like that new account. And I think that that shows that, you know, when given some opportunity, he was able to maximize on it. That's right. kind of why I, I wished he had gotten some more of that burn in the G league bubble. And I'm hopeful that agreed with those knees. And that's what worries me, the injuries, yeah. um, but yeah. you're exactly right. And to that point, the thing I mentioned at the top of, of these player grades, Justin, we only have three players on this list. And one of them is not really a small forward. He's Shea Gilles Alexander, who will start at point next season. <laughs> unless, he, unless they decide to like start Kate at point or you know whoever they draft. And Jalen Suggs at point. And then Shea small thinking. forward still. But regardless, like he's one of two small forwards on this roster, essentially. And so th- I think the opportunity and playing time will be there. Um, especially if he sticks with the team and you know the, the coaching staff's going to trust him a little more earlier on in the season because of the experience we mentioned. Um, so all that being said, what are you grading Josh Hall? I have Josh Hall at a C minus and yep. it, it's just because, you know, what we saw was okay. It could have been better. I think the injuries had a big part in that to where it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily what I would call a successful first season, but I don't think by any means it was a failure. I think it was just kind of a wait and see. And hopefully we see some more out of Josh Hall next season. Yeah. And I, I had him at a C um, for basically the same reasons. Um, I just felt like, you know, it, for what he was, the flashes that he's shown at the end of the season, like was enough to bump him up for me from a C minus to a C, just a solid C. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you want to go C minus or C? You want to, okay. I'll buy C. I'll buy that. that. Yeah. So we got C there uh, and B plus for Kendrick Williams. Now moving on to the last name on our list. Again, more like a, a point forward. Um, if, if he's listed at small forward for 71% of his minutes, Shea Gilles Alexander. Um, I think the biggest thing here is somebody – uh, a player who kind of cemented himself as a star in this league and for this team moving forward, a cornerstone moving forward. In fact, in Presley's exit interviews, 
he mentioned, you know, a big, uh, a, a fun, I, I don't know if he used that term, <laughs> but a, a good conversation <laughs> that he's going to be having with Shay, or they are going to be having with Shay moving forward um, this offseason about, you know, basically a contract extension. So, um, Justin, talk to me about Shay's season. What do you think? Man, another jump for SGA. That was the first thing I wrote down. We've talked about how he's taken a leap every season that he's been in the NBA. And the question coming into the year was, is, is is there another leap in Shea? We've seen two pretty big leaps. Like how many more does he have? How many more tiers does Shea Gilgis Alexander have to reach? And he achieved it. We saw another jump from him where this was really his first season in the NBA where he was expected to be, you know, the guy Chris Paul's gone. Uh, this team is is his essentially, and I think he he absolutely delivered on that. You look at his stats: twenty three point seven points, four point seven boards, and five point nine assists. Uh, the shooting stats, much like Kenrich Hustle, Kenrich Hustle, that felt weird. Kenny Hustle, <laughs> Kenrich Hustle uh, I kind of like it though. I, that's not wrong. Just uh, new. Much like Kenny Hustle. The shooting stats um, took a took an increase this year for Shea, fifty point eight percent from the floor and forty one point eight percent from three, which is up from thirty four percent last yes. year. So almost an eight percent jump for Shea from behind the arc. And what what's really exciting about that for me is I think we've seen his craftiness in the lane. We've seen his finishing at the rim and how his drives for game is just off the charts. Like he can get to the basket at will. You add a consistent three-point threat to that, and he becomes infinitely harder to guard. You're watching that so, step-back game now, and exactly. it, it, it adds that whole other dimension exactly. to his game to where you're not just trying to cut him off in the paint. Like now you've got to watch, you've got to watch him behind the arc too. And I know we've we've made this loose comparison before, uh, but it's it's a little bit Harden-esque. Because if you guard him too close on the arc, he's going to go finish at the rim. If you cut off the rim, he's just going to hit a step back three on you. And it becomes, for a defender, I mean, that that is a very deadly combo. I, I'm glad you brought that up, Justin. So I looked up his um, um, his unassisted <laughs> three goal uh, makes, and, or his percentage, basically, like you said, his, his pull-up threes when he's not being uh, mm-hmm. not getting a pass from another player. Seventy point four percent from three when he's when Holy unassisted, moly. which is just absolutely absurd. <laughs> That's incredible. Absolutely I couldn't absurd. Do that I couldn't do that in the driveway, like not just unassisted but unguarded. No, not a chance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We. Yeah. Yeah. We. We couldn't even do that without just putting up shots in the driveway or the street, or whatever. Uh, yeah. No, I'm with you. So some interesting and kind of to that point. There was some, and I did this, I think two weeks ago, um, or actually it was on a group podcast we did recently where we were talking about Shea and he's kind of a season recap. And there's some stats about Shea that stood out to me. Um, I like to take screenshots throughout the season because it's a fun way for me to go back and kind of see and remember some of the things that happened throughout the the season. Um, and so I have some, some stats here that I, I wanted to recap that I screenshotted. The first is from, well, I guess I don't have the date on this, but, um, SGA was the fifth player in Thunder slash Supersonics history with a 40-point game at age 22 or younger. Uh, Justin, you want to go ahead and guess the other four? Kevin Durant. Yes. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Yes. <laughs> um, is it James Harden? 
Yeah, there's three. Now the fourth one's really, really hard. Uh, we're, we're talking Seattle Supersonics. Okay. And it's not Gary Payton. I was going <laughs> to say, like, Sean Kemp? <laughs> no, oh, that's a good guess, but no. So it's actually Spencer Haywood. Which Spencer Haywood, yes. <laughs> but regardless, uh, pretty incredible. And just kind of, I think, a great recap of the terror he was on um, early on this season when we still had George Hill and some of those other vets. Now, the next couple um, that I have here is from an article from 538. And kind of goes to some of those stats that I mentioned about the um, unassisted three-point percentage and also his driest per game that you were hinting at, Justin. So since 2013-14, now granted, um, this is from the very, very end of February, which was right before um, he he was out with his plantar pasitis. So since the 2013-14 season, when NBA event stats began tracking drives, only two other games saw players topping 40 drives in a single game. In fact, there have only been 15 instances ever of a player driving 30 times or more in a game this season. Shea alone accounts for nine of those games. <laughs> nine of 15 of those games in the last, it, yeah, it just absolutely wild. Um, he was leading the league at that point with 25.4 drives per game, which was on pace to set the, the record for since 2013 14. Um, basically, he was driving, um, let's, yeah. Uh, more basically about the same as important trailblazers uh, just wild <laughs> wild Incredible. stats he shoots 55.1 percent from the field out of his record setting drives and 51.4 percent after three or more dribbles again kind of something we're hinting at there i can go on and on there's so many of these but i don't want to bore our listeners all that to say the the statistical leap i think there that that shay had which is super impressive. But like you said, just in his confidence, you know, one thing I, I mentioned Pressy's exit interviews and um, how excited he was about Shea, but I think back to his, his preseason interviews, right. And, um, and basically talking about, like you said, Shea kind of taking that lead ball handling role um, and, yeah. and putting him in control of the offense after Chris Paul leaving. And what we saw, you know, and, and I think you and Jacob and Nick and all, honestly, all of us, Kami are myself, we, we mentioned seeing some flashes of Chris Paul uh, there early on and some of the 100%. things that he had learned. Like there's yeah. just the, the confidence, the swagger, and just the um, the overall talent leap. Just really exciting. It's kind of hard to put into words. <laughs> I think I, I think you're, you're hitting on it too. Like I think that year with Chris Paul was super valuable, obviously from a basketball perspective, but I think from a leadership perspective too. I Great think point. What we saw out of him this year really impressed me. You think about, especially, you know, after he got injured, he was the guy on the bench, always hyping everybody up, uh, jumping around, really fully engaged with the team. Looked like he was having a good time, um, was really kind of in the huddles, being a part of everything. And I thought um, in exit interviews, Baisley had a really nice quote where he talked about how CP3 you know, definitely passed on some stuff because Shea is becoming a great leader. I think that that time under CP3's wing, obviously you're going to pick up a lot of basketball moves from the point God, but you're also, you're going to get some leadership. Chris Paul's been around a lot of different teams, a lot of different team dynamics. And I think that that was one of my big questions coming into the season is not just can Shea carry, carry a team from a basketball perspective, but But who's going to be the leader in the locker room and his personality, team. like he's not like a, sorry, not to interrupt you, just like to your point, a, uh, he's not a loud vocal leader. He's not a guy like Chris Paul, who's yeah. 
not yet anyways, all over the commercials. Like, obviously, he loves his fashion. He's loud with his fashion. But he's not a guy to give you just, like, these crazy in-depth post-game interviews. He's just yep. more reserved and to himself. Yep. So, he's to your not- point, to see him take that role in the locker room. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he's not a super, he doesn't seem to be a super like vocal leader. He's not screaming at guys. He's not a, a Draymond Green or a Russell Westbrook or something like that. Um, but I think that, you know, there there's lots of different effective leadership styles and it sounds like Shea's kind of finding his. And I think that as this team moves forward and as, you know, whoever they draft this season and they come into this team, I think that that leadership component from Shea is going to continue to be super important. So uh, I just got a notification. Speaking of Thunder point guards, um, this is a former Thunder point guard. I actually haven't been paying attention since we've been podcasting, but unfortunately, Russ and the Wizards have been eliminated. Uh, the Sixers pulled it out, they pulled have. it off without Joel. So, we'll, speaking of an interesting off season, uh, we were talking <laughs> about the Celtics at the top of the podcast. Oh man, Wizards are in an interesting boat. Uh-huh. But back to Shea. We so we we talked about well, maybe not expectations yet, but we talked about his performance and stats, obviously. Talked about another leap in his growth. Uh, we talked about his impact on winning. I mean, obviously, the Thunder literally, I say had to sit him. His injury is real. And we yeah. learned that when he, he isn't going to be able to participate in the Olympics. Um, too good to tank. Too good to but, but really, I, I think that's the interesting part. Like, I, the biggest takeaway for me for this season, uh, for Shea specifically, Justin, is something that we kind of hinted at. But Shea performed so well. He's taking such a big leap. And if you add, if we are fortunate to land a top five talent or two top five talents in this upcoming draft, you combine that with Shea and some of the other guys I've taken leaps like Lou Dort, Poku. Uh, hopefully Poku takes a leap. Um, you know, even some of these other young guys that we mentioned, like you get to a point where you literally are too good to tank. You might be there with Shea by himself, which is, I think, just that by itself makes me want to give Shea an A+. plus. Also, contract. <laughs> He's coming up on a big contract extension, yeah. uh, his rookie contract extension. There's very, very few players who turn that down. Um, so, and, and, and Chase seems knock on wood to like OKC. I don't expect him to turn that down. So hopefully we're heading into the season with an extended contract for SGA. Yep. hundred percent. So for your expectations, that's the one area we haven't touched on with Shea. What were you expecting for the season? And did he meet your expectations? I think and what grade will you give him? He he surpassed my expectations. Um, I didn't I didn't know if he had another leap in him, and I think it's interesting to see you know kind of the conversations around Shea have I think maybe accelerated the Thunder's timeline for things. Like I don't Agreed. know, I don't know what you can do next season to of to <laughs> to still be in the lottery. Like if the Thunder wanted to try and get a high lottery pick again next year. I don't know if it's possible with Shea Gilgis Alexander on your team and whoever they draft this season. Like I think they're going to quite literally be too good to tank. So I think that, you know, he's accelerated things. He's become better faster than people thought he would myself included. So for all that, um, I mean, my, my grade for Shea, my, my grade for him's an A. Uh, I'm putting, I'm putting a plus like on a pedestal. Like that's gotta that's be fair. like, okay, that's fair. MVP. Like that's like top of the top of the top. But I think we're talking like if Shea 
would have done this season what Tatum is doing like right now, even with the team shorthanded. Yeah. And he's like, that's, over that's an A plus. Pieces. Yeah. Then I'm with you. I think that's exactly fair. Um, and, and something just kind of to, to highlight what you said there, Justin, about how we were curious if he was going to be able to rise to the occasion of handling the ball more and being the leader both on and off the court. And we keep talking about that leap, right? Not only did he make that leap that we were hoping he, he could make, but he showed me that he has at least another leap or more leaps to go, which I did not expect heading into the season. Yeah. So I, I, I'm with you. I'll, I'll give him an A. I was going to give him an A plus until you put it in that perspective. <laughs> and so uh, I think you're I'm exactly sorry right. I talked to you out of so it. You talked me down a, a <laughs> yeah, like what, a 96 point something percent to a 95. Um, I, I like an A for Shea. I think that's good. It rhymes too, Shea. so there you go. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, that was really good stuff. Really good stuff, Justin, from, again, Celtics, the connection there with Presti to grading our small forwards for the OKC Thunder uh, plus Shea. <laughs> Do you have anything right. else? No. So to recap, we had Kenny Hustle oh, at point. a B plus, Josh Hall at a C, and Shea Gilgis Alexander at an A. At an A. I like it. I like it. Well, next week, we're going to uh, shooting guards. Going to be another interesting position because, like, obviously you have Lou, but then you have other players who, like, are they shooting guards? Are they point guards? It'll, it'll be a fun one. It'll be a For lot sure. of fun. So uh, continue to stay tuned, everybody. We will be continuing this on Wednesdays. Obviously, we have shooting guards next week. We have point guards the week after. That leads us up to the draft lottery, just yes. 22nd. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And at that point forward, we'll be using our Wednesday locker room hangouts uh, slash podcast. And we're dropping these in podcast form to break down some draft prospects. Again, all of us will be kind of rotating. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're excited to to break down some draft prospects as well as we get closer and closer. I'm getting nervous for June 22nd. I know. I'm already anxious. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> so thank you guys again for tuning in. Be yes. sure to tune in on Wednesdays. Mondays, Monday and Fridays, we're doing locker room hangouts that won't be recorded um, as podcasts. So you guys just jump on. Feel free to hang out with us. We, we want to pick your guys' brains. You know, come on, come on, come on up if I can talk, <laughs> talk some basketball with us, and, and come hang out with us. And then obviously on Sundays, 9 p.m. Central Time, we have our weekly podcast on Restream, and then that goes and drops as a podcast form as well. So thank you guys again for tuning in. And until next time, thunder up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.